all of these questions that are being texted in are perfectly relevant. Um, like, does pineapple belong on pizza? Um, Absolutely. Have you ever met a llama? How did Luke get so strong? All of those kinds of things. So, um, that being said, uh, there are there are a couple questions. Uh, Josh and Derek and I were were chatting um, just beforehand, and there was a. We had just a, a couple questions we wanted to discuss, um, and you, you can feel free to continue to text in questions as they come to your mind. Uh, that's one of the reasons we wanted to have some to lead off with. Um, the first one was, what does it look like to stop and listen? And Derek, you mentioned uh, listening prayer. What, what is listening prayer? What does that, what's that mean? Yeah, you almost have to train your ear uh, by reading scripture. So we read scripture a lot of times. I'm not sure always what our motive is. For information, it's not bad. For instruction, yeah. But if we actually believe that the Bible is God's word written down, God speaking in print, right? If you view it that way, then maybe what's in print actually is a word to be heard. <laughs> Does that sound logical? So I think, I think part of it is, is in Scripture is reading it um, to see what and to listen for what God is saying through that word to you. And I think maybe it's also good to do it with other brothers or sisters in Christ because sometimes, you know, my ear might be a little deaf to something or maybe it's bent towards something else. So for us to kind of do that together, I think, helps us. It's not just my listening, but our listening. You want to add to that? Yeah, something that... Um are listening. We were just chatting a little bit earlier about how there seems to be a, uh, a lot of times our prayer life is about ourselves and what's going on in our lives. That God is very interested in that, um, but that that also sometimes our prayer can get a little bit narcissistic. Um, yeah. I think you use like the phrase like spiritual constipation. <laughs> um, we get kind of stuck on ourselves and praying about what's happening in our lives and. Yeah. Um, something that I was just realizing, Nick, a while back on our challenge cards, you guys, uh, Nick issued the challenge to spend 15 minutes a day in silence. Yeah. And uh, I did it one day that week, uh, just a confession. Um, but that di when I was in silence and listening, something that happened was uh, there was, the, what was brought to mind was a, a list of names. Mm. I kept feeling like God kept putting people on my mind. Um, and so we were talking a lot about this idea of praying for one another. Um, if you view prayer as a conversation rather than a, just a speech that we make, but if you view it as a, as a conversation like with a friend, like how do you talk to your friends? Are you always talking or do you have a time to listen? Mm. Right? Now the challenge is with the Holy Spirit or with Jesus or with the Father is, is our listening is, is inaudible, like in tones that we're used to. It's it's through the scripture in a sort of a deaf way, but it's not deaf. We just have to train our ear to listen to the right pitch. We're horrible at that. So it takes some practice. Does that make sense? So I think, I actually think we're poor listeners today <laughs> with each other. I think we're horrible with our social communications. So we're already up against it. 
So it's going to take some discipline, and I would just encourage you to try and to begin and to do it with some other friends that you trust and let the scripture really be the source for you. Otherwise, you're listening to some other thought, and that can be untruthful. So I don't believe the spirit of God through the scripture is ever uh, unclear or going to play with us in some way that's inappropriate. Or it, I think it's going to be clear and poignant if we are willing to really listen to what the scripture is speaking to us. Yeah, I think that, maybe yeah. adding to that, I think for a lot of us, the first step is literal, literally silence and solitude. I think the hardest thing, um, I would, I mean, I've only, I've only been alive for 25 years, but the hardest thing I think that that is going on right now is we don't know how to be alone and how to be quiet and how to not um, be stimulated mentally. Um, and we get into this like fast pace because I think there's a little bit of anxiety wrapped up. If I'm not doing anything, like I'm maybe not worth anything or maybe I'm not as connected as I think I am. And so I think that taking that first step of finding places to be able to be in silence and solitude is really difficult. I found in my own life of being able to put my phone away and not think about it. Because to me, I'm like, oh man, there's, I'm not talking with someone. And it takes so long for you to mentally disconnect, even if your phone is in the other room, to mentally disconnect from your phone or mentally disconnect from, from certain things. We're just so busy and just so involved, especially in school. I think I can't stop thinking about school when I'm in school. So I think the first step of being like, man, I need to find places of silence and solitude. And that's, I think, the hardest first step for yeah, a lot so of us. Again, to add to that, um, if we view prayer as a relationship mechanism, not just some like rubbing the genie bottle to hope we get three wishes thing, right? It's actually a dialogue. I remember when I was dating Nell, um, uh, I, silence was awkward. So I was always making, I was filling it in. And I actually got to the point where I knew we were deepening in our relationship when we were comfortable not talking in the car and no music. We were safe with one another in silence. Does that make sense? So I think relationally, we got to practice how to do that better. And I think once we begin to do that with other humans or friends that we trust, then that's close to the heart of God, who's your closest friend once you get in sync with him in that regard. So true. Yeah. Something that I think... And some of the conversation we've been having will relate to this question, but someone asked, uh, when, am I, when am I talking to the Holy Spirit? How can I know which is a God thought and which is a me thought? <laughs> it's mostly a me thought, let's just be honest. <laughs> let's just be honest, we're very, I said it, I mean, we're pretty narcissistic. It, it's about us, would you agree? It's mostly about us, and it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of training for the, for the lordship of Jesus to really get out of ourselves where I'm comfortable thinking about the other person legitimately, genuinely concerned about somebody else. And I, I think it can be a blend. I think the spirit can be a thought that is about yourself, sanctification is a word you've been using, or about a friend who's struggling or a friend who doesn't know Jesus. And I think that person is a prompting from the Holy Spirit. But I would say the check is scripture. It, 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 it's not the Holy Spirit if the Holy Bible isn't a part of it. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just some thought from a TED Talk or something like that. I mean, you know, does that make sense? It's just, it's got to be something that's actually from the throne of God in heaven through the scripture, and that's a way to check if it's a spirit thought guiding my thoughts about me. So, um, can I go ahead and share that one thought that we kind of had? We had this little pregame 
start about what would it, what would it be like before y'all showed up? We were the three of us were talking. What would it be like if if I prayed for you? and I never prayed for me, what would that look like? If I never prayed once about my anxieties, about my desires, about my dreams, about my relationships, about my fill in the blank. Because I had some trusted confidants that knew that and they were praying for me and I knew him there and I was praying for them. What if we had a prayer covering such that I never prayed for me because I knew they were praying for me? Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? That sounds so idealistic, almost impossible. But what if we felt safe enough with some confidants that are, that are trailing Jesus so much that, that they knew me enough to pray for me so I could pray for them? Now, that would help me think more like Jesus, who was very, very selfless, you know? Yeah, and I think, don't hear us wrong, not that you can never bring anything to God and talk to God about what's happening in Correct. your life. But I, I do think of um, when I was considering moving here, I think back to one of your words of advice, which was, and I don't know if, even know if you remember this, but it was, uh, I was trying, uh, how do I know if I should move here or if I should stay in Idaho? And you said, um, to seek God, but not for an answer. You just said, seek God to be with, to be with God. I was just thinking of that when you mentioned the genie. Um, just seek God for God. I think so often we're looking for the next answer or um, a quick thing. And then the other thing in relation to community, um, we just mentioned, we just talked about this in our young adults community is that we, we forget that we actually have, we, we have the privilege of playing a part in this uh, sanctification of one another. Mm. So we, in our relationship with Christ, we're, we're pursuing holiness with him to become more and more like Jesus. And God plays a part and we play a part, but so often we forget that we are meant to play that part for one another as well. As we pray for Josh or, or as we pray for our, the people around us, right? Your friend, I didn't mean like Josh really needs prayer for holiness or anything, but as you pray for your friends, like you are, you are moving and working in their sanctification and making them holy as Christ has set them apart to be. Yeah, we're so. very American and we're very independent. We're very me focused. Uh, but you go outside of America and most other nations, it's so communal. It's so community-oriented. Their, their thought process starts from thinking of the other person first. Our thought process start, start from thinking of me first. And so we, gotta, we have to really change that. And I would say that's just a, it's a practice. It's a skill. You have to think about the other person before yourself. That's Jesus. Jesus never thought of himself first. I think the Spirit prompts us to do that. And that's a maturation, sanctifying thing. Don't give up. Don't quit when you don't see yourself improving. Don't stop because it takes some time. It takes a lot of skill and time to do that. But over time, the Spirit really does help us. There's a, a question that came in that says, I want to live the lifestyle. Um, I just don't know where to start. What are some practical steps? A lot of questions like that. Where do I begin if I want to step into this prayer life? What are some good first steps? Specifically with praying, Luke, or yeah, to keep it focused Specifically there? Specifically to focus on prayer and your relationship with the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of said it in my message, but a friend of mine really challenged me when I was in high school about may the first person you speak with be Jesus every day. And I, be, I really thought about that. I mean, I had a job. My, my, I was living at home still, and I thought, I, I need to try to practice that. And so I did. When I woke up, I really began to practice, hey, Jesus. And I started my day that way. <laughs> and I was in high school, and I'm so glad that that guy 
challenged me to do that. That was a basic step, but you got to practice it and do it. And what happens for me, what happened was in the morning I started out with, hey, Jesus, and when I put my head on the pillow, as I started, hey, Jesus, there, when I put my head down on my pillow at night, guess how I went to sleep? Hey, Jesus. It just became almost the pillow time was a dialogue time with Jesus. So I began ending and starting my day. I don't know why that happened other than I began thinking, hey, Jesus, as I was rolling out of bed because I wanted the first person I talked to to be him. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, you got to up that up. I mean, that, that's not a good dating relationship. Just go, hey, Jesus, and then never talk to him the rest of the day, right? So what, what, a, what a marriage that would be, right? <laughs> hey, Danica. Yeah. No, no. So you got to build on that. And I think that's just a part of the next step. But start there. Want to add to that, Josh? Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, I think there's so much significance um, when we're encouraged to seek first God's kingdom, yeah. that it's first. I think it's not just like top of the list. I think it is chronologically first. Because as soon as you step out of your bed, I love just your practice of not looking at notifications on your phone. That's something that my wife and I have been learning, like how important that is. Because the, the, the fact is, as soon as you open your eyes and get out of bed, there are going to be tens of things that are clamoring for your attention. You're going to walk out of your room, you're going to see uh, something laying there. You're going to be like, oh yeah, school. Think about school. You're going to go take a shower and you'll be like, oh yeah, I need to think about what I'm going to wear today. Immediately your thoughts are occupied. And there's so much. Similarly, um, a guy that I really look up to, um, he literally starts his day out with waking up in the morning and Good morning, Father. Good morning, Son. Good, mor- good morning, Holy Spirit. And there's so much power in that because when that becomes the first thing on your mind, that frames the rest of your day. All of a sudden, I'm not thinking about breakfast for myself. Maybe I'm thinking about, wow, Jesus, thank you so much that I have food to be able to eat and nourish my body. Like All of a sudden, everything changes. It's almost like the first pair of glasses that you put on for the day. I don't, I mean, I'm, it, assuming you wear glasses. The first pair of glasses you look through during the day, that shapes how you're seeing everything else. So there's so much, I think it, it has to be the first Josh, thing. Let me add to that. A real practical thing that you should try is to go old school with your alarm. I mean, go to Walmart and buy the $5 alarm, the little digital red numbers, and don't use your phone as your alarm. I mean, so that you're not tempted when you wake up to start looking at your phone. Does that make sense? Set your phone somewhere else and use the alarm just to wake you up and then you don't even have the temptation to look at the, all the notifications that happened when your friends, you know, were still awake and you went to sleep and all that stuff. <laughs> just try old school. It's a serious sacrifice to some degree. There's a ton of alarm clocks at Goodwill now. There, you don't even have to go to Walmart. There you That's go. So true. Goodwill. And blenders. There's piles of them. You know, we, I'm, I'm, I'm meandering here for a minute. We had an, ex- uh, piles. We had an exchange student from, uh, from Beijing, China, uh, for a couple of years in our in our house, and because of the exchange student program that we had submitted to and she had submitted to, one of the house rules that we did not impose, but we abided by, and she abided by, was her cell phone never went into her bedroom. We should practice that. We should practice that. So that means you discipline yourself so that you're not swiping and surfing and looking at everything at night when you're bored is go to your room and do something other than what social media tempts us to do. It's old school, you guys. I'm just telling you. What's governing you? Who's Lord? Who's really Lord? And I I'd think my smartphone is right up there. Mm. There is um, just a couple more questions. Some of them are about the way you pray. Um, yeah. 
posture or speaking out loud or thinking? Are there certain things that we do when we pray that ch that change? Yeah, feel change free to add into this. Yeah. From I'm just speaking for me, all right. And this is just a couple of, a couple of years of just practicing, um, trying trying different things. One thing that I have learned about posturing. Um, is there really is something the way God has made us with muscle memory and, and position of our head and everything with what we do really does something to our heart and our soul. So I, I seriously kneel because I want my heart bowed to the throne as I start my day. I, I'm not the decision maker on these things I got to do. So I, I do that often. I don't, and oftentimes I'll, like we did tonight, thanks for going through that. I, my palms are up. Sometimes I do palms down. If I'm holding on to something too hard, I'll let go. I want palms down as like a, a, sim, a symbol of my releasing of something that I'm anxious over. And I release that. And then palms up, fill me with your presence, your, your peace. Does that make sense? Uh, and I said it earlier. It's just me. I mean, you, when's the last time you prayed with your nose on the floor and you smelled the carpet? Really? Your belly button's on the floor, your nose on the floor. Your, we don't strike that pose. It is a completely surrendered, vulnerable position. And there are some days that I don't know what else to do other than, holy smokes, Lord, my day is stressing me out. So I believe there's a posture. There are moments where I stand and I run and I dance because he answered something ridiculously. And so I don't always kneel. <laughs> I dance at times. I'm not a good dancer at all. <laughs> I'm not. But I will celebrate, and I'll raise my hands, and I will praise him. So I do something with my hands often. Just, I don't know if, they, I don't know if it's a trick. It's not a trick. It's just there's something about mentally trying to strike a pose or a position. Another thing I try to do, I'm just rambling here. I walk the halls. When nobody's there in the office, I walk the halls, and I pray. I touch doorknobs. I don't know if there's any trick to that. But I just I pray for my brother, and I touch the door, because I know that he's going to touch the doorknob to turn it open. So, you know, I don't know if there's any magic to that. I'm just like, I want something of the Spirit to help my brother and my sister. And I pray if they have an office across campus and it's raining out, I, I don't understand it's it. It's called Jesus germs. It's a thing. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm kidding. It's not Jesus germs. I'm just praying. I'm praying for everybody as I walk and I talk alone. That's good. So I don't have my prayer list. I have my prayer list as I walk and I... Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. No, that's good. And I think sometimes it's important to like set up, maybe get out of your element and try yeah, something yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know this sounds maybe like really silly, but I remember in college, like having a difficult time imagining that Jesus was really there in my prayer life or imagining that I was actually really speaking to God. And so for a while I made a second cup of coffee. I love it. And, um, yeah. and then I would just dump it at the end. Yeah. And, well, that, I don't know, Hebrews is yeah. one of the favorite books in the Hebrews. Bible, right? Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. It makes sense, man. Um, he's he's a dad, so. <laughs> Can I add one more thing to that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's a lot of. It's interesting when we look. Um, I've just been reading through the Psalms a lot recently, and there's just so so many commands to not just like. They're not just like thought commands. So many of them are actual physical, yeah. like sing, yeah. shout, dance, like make music to the Lord. And that's not something that we can do really sitting like this. I think there's value in being, in being silent, but I think there is so much of engaging our physical bodies that helps us connect yep. um, just to who, who God is and just the way that his spirit is in us. And I think it, it, it really does, and that's something that that I'm learning in my in my own 
um, prayer walk is that physical posturing is huge. Um, I, I, I always think it's silly when, um, when, I, when I'm going to be asking somebody for something, going back to like if you, if you have a, like a, something to like ask God for, it's always interesting if I, I would never go to my parents and be like, be like holding a cup of water and be like, can I have a drink of water? And like hold the cup upside down. And like it wouldn't make sense. They'd be like, oh, absolutely. I'm like, cool. It just doesn't make sense. But when it's a po- physical posturing, I think the difference is it, it helps us connect a little bit more. And so having hands out to receive or even kneeling is something that I've just been, as I'm trying to submit myself more and more to like, I want to be more like Jesus. And I think that that means letting something go of myself, dying to self. Um, and, and that just means I, I come into the realization that I'm not enough to, to do that on my own. I need Jesus so much and Holy Spirit to be moving through me. So I think physical posturing has been like, it's, it's huge, I think. Josh, I, let me yeah. add to what you said. Um, you know, every major athlete in whatever sport you adore, almost every personal athlete has a personal coach these days. Mm to watch how they're shooting the ball or hitting the puck or the golf ball, whatever it is, striking the soccer ball. They have personal coaches saying, do this, work at that. And so for me, what's helped my prayer life is actually be around people who have prayed longer than I have and hear them pray. How do they talk to him? How do they address their needs? How do they pray for people? How, I've actually, I told you, a youth pastor who modeled tears down his cheeks for kids in the youth group that weren't Christians yet and praying out loud for their souls. Oh, that impressed me to pray for the lost. Does that make sense? It wasn't just a name. It was a soul. I'm just telling you, get near people that have prayed, that have walked more intimately with Jesus and listen to them. And you got to be vulnerable and you begin kind of mouthing prayers out loud as a novice and you may be really uncomfortable, but you will improve as they coach you and guide you. Almost like a spiritual coach. A couple more questions as we wrap up. Um, and it, if your question wasn't, if I wasn't able to, if we didn't get to it tonight, uh, we'll have them, we have them logged. And so um, we'll try and get back to you guys as much as we can. Luke has those. all the answers. No, no. <laughs> um, but one of them was, and maybe I can kind of couple a few, was what is prayer? And I think coupled with that, what do you do with unanswered prayer, maybe? Does that make sense, How, why those would be coupled? Yeah. How would you start that? Um, I was just thinking prayers about a conversation, right? And um, so conversing with God, just how you would with anyone else. The idea of talking and listening and unanswered prayer, I think, I think that oftentimes comes back to we seeking God instead of answers, I guess. Like what I had said, do I move to Portland or do I not? I don't, I think that those things get sorted as you begin to be with God and be, yeah. I don't know. Um, as far as like requests being made though. So here's one thought that it came to my mind with, with prayers that don't get answered. We all have been there or will be there. So let's just think a minute. I asked Luke earlier, does anybody know how old this building is? How old is this building? What's the year it was built? Okay. Imagine how many prayers. I think prayers, it was the 60s. Imagine how many prayers have been prayed in this room. Just, whoa. That's a lot. Just imagine that. This is, this is a place where prayers have been uttered. 
here's my take on that. I think every prayer enters into a timeless space where God exists, and it's never wasted. And sometimes those prayers from the 60s get answered in the 90s or the 2019 era. So they, I don't think they go unanswered. They just are according to God's providential wisdom. Does that make sense? Sometimes the answer is no, but it's still answered. Sometimes it's not yet, but it's still, it still gets answered. Does that make sense? So even though you feel like that answered or that, that prayer didn't get answered, God's answering it just maybe not the way we want. So keep delighting in him and the desires of your heart to get an answer will align with his timetable and you'll be more at peace when there seems to be silence from heaven and you go, I'm trusting you, Lord. That's one thing that's helpful for me. Um, I, think that, I think we are blessed by, by seeds of prayer that have been cast from our grandparents and we're blessed We've, beyond we, how we even measure it. I'm not sure. But I think we are beneficiaries of, of seeds of prayer that get answered in our life that people have cast from decades before you were born. It's a mystery. So don't quit. And don't be too selfish about prayers being answered for you at your timetable when it's about someone else at God's timetable. He will use it for his glory, not for our comfort sometimes. <laughs> think of, think of uh, Joseph. In the Old Testament, you remember Joseph imprisoned unjustly? What if the church in the day of that had, came, had come and rescued Joseph, right? What if that, that had happened? Okay, well, if that, had never, if that had happened, then we would miss out on a lot of things with regards to Joseph and the family of, of Israel and all the brothers coming back to Egypt and all the nation of Israel being established there. What if... Joseph had been delivered from prison earlier than he wanted, then all that we are beneficiaries of would be null and void. So God in his timing lets Joseph stay incarcerated and all those prayers get answered later. Does that make sense? So keep praying. There's seeds that you're casting that God as the heavenly righteous farmer grows and fertilizes and then brings a harvest Maybe after you're not here on earth. Good with that? Good with that? It's to his glory, not ours. So that's a faithful, long journey view of praying. And that takes some time, but keep going. Don't quit. If I could add just one more thing before, I know we've got time, we've got to wrap up. But I think one more thing that if I could add just about the what is prayer. I think prayer, the more I've just been learning is it's really spiritual warfare. Oh is that when we pray, we're reconnecting. I think it's something that the enemy would love for us to forget because when we're surrounded by, again, just we're, we have so many inputs that are coming in and there's so many things um, that we can easily just kind of adopt and unquestioned, it really shapes our hearts maybe more than we realize. When we sit with Jesus and converse with him, all of a sudden it's a recentering of truth. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot that the enemy wants to do to prevent that because when we sit with Jesus, we become more like Jesus and we're able to know more of his will and be able to enact that in the world. And so I think that there's a lot that's preventing us from doing that. And I think that a lot can happen when we do engage in that. So well, yeah. Jesus said, pray this in this way. Mm. Our Father, hallowed be your name. And he eventually says, may your kingdom come. Well, that's a collision right there. That's war. 
Because his kingdom conflicting with earthly kingdoms is a battlefield and prayer is right in the middle of it. So if we want his kingdom to come for justice from heaven to eradicate all injustices on earth, that's a collision course and a war. So prayer is actually before pray in the spirit in verse 18, verse 17 is take up the sword of the spirit. So strap it on and let's go to battle in prayer on our knees. What was that book that you mentioned uh, earlier today? Oh, Extreme by? Prayer. Extreme Prayer. Extreme Prayer. Greg Pruitt is the president of Pioneer Bible Translators. It's like a, a cousin to Wycliffe Bible Translators. <laughs> uh, Greg Pruitt wrote a small little book on Extreme Prayer, and his, his thesis is prayer is my strategy for life. Prayer is my strategy. I don't have a strategy I, I pray about. Prayer is my strategy for, the, for all the initiatives God wants to do through me. And it's an amazing little small read. Yeah. Well, and I was just thinking about, so often we try to strategize different things. Yeah. Right? So even how do we make our youth group head in a certain way? How do we grow in our passion, our desire? How do we change our city? All of that starts with prayer.